Philippians chapter 1, it's all about Christ being first. Christ being first in our lives, Christ being first, the forefront of our minds, within the lives that we live, the focus of our lives. That is the theme of chapter 1. That is why in chapter 1, he goes on in verse number 20 and says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You go and you realize that Paul's focus was not on his circumstances. Paul's focus was not on others in this chapter. Paul's focus was not on the problems that he was facing or the, the jail that was he was in. It was not focused on any of those things. It was focused on Jesus Christ and the gospel moving forward. And that is what the summary of chapter number one is. As you walk through chapter one, you see that as you enter into chapter number two, though, he then kind of transitions his thoughts. In chapter number one, he is pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ constantly and pointing us to the gospel. As he says, fellowship in the gospel, furtherance of the gospel, defense of the gospel. He goes on and says the faith of the gospel. In the midst of all that, he says that Christ shall be magnified. He is reminding us of Christ being first in our lives. And then as you enter into chapter number two, something's off. Something's not quite right. And so he has to address it. In chapter number two, he says, if there be any Therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. As you look at chapter number two, as a matter of fact, he makes a reference referring back to chapter number one, verse number 27, as he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see that reference back as he says in chapter number two, verse number two, at the very end, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That is a reference to what he's already reiterated to the church and reminded the church of. And so as you come to the book of Philippians, you begin to realize rather quickly that Paul's trying to get their attention. And in chapter number one, you now see that Paul is moving from pointing us to just very simply Christ being the forefront of our minds. So now you're seeing Paul the servant putting forth the foot. You're seeing him moving forward in some admonition. You're seeing him encouraging that the believers not to fear their adversity, adversary rather, and their adversity. He opens the chapter by encouraging them to walk in unity. As you look at these statements, he goes on in verse number two again, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, being of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That statement, let this mind be in you, which we are not going to completely touch on this evening, deals with this understanding. That statement, let this mind be in you, is an opinion of oneself, if you would. That statement, mind, speaks of that. But he goes on and says, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's reminding us that think less of yourself, think much of Christ, and have the mind of Christ. But in the midst of all of this here, he begins to address these statements that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So in chapter number two, you see that there's a, a singleness of mind. 
As you walk through chapter 1, you see that singleness of mind being made reference to as he is talking about the gospel, as he is talking about very simply the gospel advancing, not thinking of himself, his circumstances, or anything. He is always in chapter 1 pointing us back to Jesus Christ. But as you transition from chapter number 1, it's not just a singleness of mind. Now he is addressing something that is very hard for us. In chapter number 2, verse number 3, he says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, chapter number 1 is focusing on singleness of mind. Chapter number 2, he's talking about submitting our mind. And that is a hard thing to do. In chapter number 2, he's going to start off by talking about us thinking about each other. That is a hard thing within life to do sometimes because whenever there are certain circumstances, whenever there are problems, whenever there are decisions that need to be made, whenever you're just simply walking through life and living life, you're thinking about yourself. You ever made this statement? Someone is is basically, maybe they're sharing their hardships, maybe they're sharing their problems, maybe they're sharing the issues or the circumstances in their life, and you're not saying this out loud, but in your mind you're thinking, dude, I've got my own issues. Why are you sharing yours with me? You know what I'm talking about. You've got the own things that you're trying to work through. You've got your own problems and you've got somebody coming to you with their problems and you're saying in your head, I've got things I'm trying to navigate through. I can't navigate through your stuff. I can't answer your questions. I've got to answer my own questions. And so in chapter number two, he's dealing with something that is extremely hard as he says these words, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The statement that is found in verse number five is one of the hardest things for the Christian life with us to live out, which is having the mind of Christ at all times. You see, every single one of us, there are times in our lives whenever you're coming out of a revival meeting. When you're coming out of a missions conference, whenever you're coming out of a conference, whenever you're coming out of a uh, very wonderful Sunday uh, service or whatever the case might be, where all of a sudden in those moments you've yielded some things, you've submitted some things, and you said, I want to press forward with these things. Your heart is on fire. You want to just continue to serve the Lord. You're stirred up about some things, and you're trying in those moments and maybe even a couple of days, maybe in a couple of weeks, to have the mind of Christ. You're trying to think spiritually. Not only are you trying to think logically and very serious about life, but you're trying to think spiritually about things. But then there comes the great struggle. There comes a day whenever you wake up and you're struggling throughout your circumstances, your problems, or just life in general, and you're trying to navigate. And for the last couple of weeks, for the last month, for the last couple of days, you've been having the mind of Christ, thinking very spiritually. But you wake up one day and you say, I don't want to do this today. I don't want to think this way. It takes too much work. I I just want to pout. I just want to fuss. I just want to complain. I just want to gripe. I just want to go through and soak. That is the day that you've entered into. And in that day, it is hard to have the mind of Christ. So Paul here is having to address some things within the church. He's having to address some people, and he's having to remind them. You ever had someone griping, maybe a sibling griping, and your, your parents are having to get on to them, and your siblings are griping to each other, or whatever the case may be, and one of the parents looks at you and you say, it's not all about you. Paul is reminding some people in these moments of this one powerful truth, that it's not all about us. Let's just say there's some bickering going on right in this front row. Let's just say I talk to you guys and you guys start complaining about something that is very just silly. And I look at you and say, guys, 
grow up. It's not all about you. Well, I want to do this. I don't care what you want. It's not all about you, right? You know what I'm talking about. You parents have said that. I've had to say that to my kiddos a couple of times. Whenever Jackson is griping about something, he wanted to go and do this, and he didn't want this, and I have to look at him and say, it's not all about you. Paul here, as he is making this statement in verse number 3, he says these words, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You think about the submitting of the mind. You think about the struggle in the, the Christian life. The Word of God says this in Ephesians 2, 3, among whom also we had our conversation in times past. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Colossians 1, 21. The Bible says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Titus 1.15, under the pure, all things are pure, but under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Romans 12.2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is a struggle within the Christian life. We struggle with our mind. We struggle with yielding our mind. We struggle with thinking about others sometimes. And Paul is having to address this, but he is admonishing them. As he is admonishing them, notice how he starts off these words that are found in chapter number 2. He says, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy. So he's admonishing them of some things. Notice with me three things this evening that I pray will be a help to you as we begin to realize what he is dealing with within the local church and what he is dealing with concerning this one thought that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and of one mind. Notice three things. Notice with me, if you would, some things you ought to take joy in within the local church. Number one, our fellowship together. Our fellowship together. As you think about fellowshipping with the the, the, the local church and with the, the, the church family, notice these words that are found. He says in verse number two, if there be any consolation, this word consolation speaks of comfort. It speaks of encouragement. It speaks of a calling to one's aid, if you would. It speaks of encouraging. And you begin to realize that Paul is dealing with this here. And Paul's joy would be fulfilled in their lives being in agreement. Paul was saying in verse number one, if there be any consolation in Christ. But then he says in verse number two, fulfill ye my joy. What was Paul's joy? Paul's joy would be that they would agree together, that they would serve together, that they would love each other, that they would work together, that they would move forward together. And so he goes on and he is saying this, that all of this hinges on one thing. As he is saying this statement, if there be any consolation in Christ, he is having them look back to chapter number one. Because chapter number one was all focused on Jesus Christ at the forefront. Jesus is our our one uh, center point, if you would. He is the focal point. He is pointing them back and saying, remember, all of this is for the gospel's sake. All of this is because the Lord Jesus has changed my life. He has changed your life. Keep that at the forefront of your mind. And so he says these words, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. So remind yourself of these things. Let me illustrate it for you. Let me get you four boys right here. Jared on over to come over here. You two boys come over here. Y'all stand over there. Y'all stand over here. Paul is reminding them concerning the, the, the simple truth of what Jesus has done, that Christ is first. And now he is trying to teach them that others are next. That's a hard concept, right? Within our lives, many people within society live in the me first mentality. 
I want what I want, forget what they want, forget what they have going on, deal with me. You know, we walk into the house of God this way sometimes, where we walk into the church and the Lord is wanting to speak to all of us and He's wanting to deal with all of us and the Lord begins to impress upon your heart to go and to be an encouragement, which we're going to see here in a few moments. But you walk into the doors of the church maybe and the mentality is, no Lord, forget them, speak to me. Listen, you ought to desire the Lord to speak to you. But when the Holy Spirit pricks your heart to go and be an encouragement to a brother or sister in Christ, you ought to do that too. But sometimes we walk into the church and it's all about us. Or sometimes we go about our lives and it's all about, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. Do with me. Work in my life. Don't I Forget about them. I don't care about them. No, 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 no. Notice what he says there. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, he's pointing the back. Hey, Christ is first. He says, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, be that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So as you see what is taking place, Paul is having to address this mindset here. And Paul is admonishing them and encouraging them. As you walk through the chapter, you're going to see this, this word comfort that is found right here. If any comfort of love, it speaks of to speak closely with someone or to give them comfort. You see, the love of God, as, as Paul is referencing here, should cause all of us to be unified around that. And so let's just say you two are bickering at these four. They're goofy looking. They got their problems. Two of them are, have the same name. So when you say Jacob, both of them look at you. you know, it's, just, it's just chaos over there. These two are, y'all are making fun of them. And these They've got their own problems too. They're goofy themselves and all this. And all of a sudden within this right here, Paul is bringing to their forefront right here. Jared, you don't like Jonathan. I mean, Jared, you don't like Jonathan. Jonathan, you don't like Jared. Paul's saying, listen, have you forgotten? Christ is the forefront. Jonathan, it's not about Jared's issues. You see... Jared, it's, it's not about Jonathan's issues. He's saying right here, if there be any, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, as he is making these statements, if any fellowship of the Spirit, he is making these statements right here as he is pointing us back to making sure that Christ stays first, that we have a singleness of mind. That is why in chapter number two, verse number five, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think so low of yourself and so high of Christ that you have the mind of Christ that all of a sudden you love your enemies. Go stand next to each other for just a moment. All of y'all, all of y'all, go stand in the group. This is what Paul is illustrating. There needs to be a bond. There needs to be a, a, a common bond. And what is that common bond circle and center around? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Now you have a, a work that is moving forward. Now he says these words, if any fellowship of the spirit, that word fellowship speaks of a joint partnership. You see, the byproduct within our lives of being yielded is that we desire to fellowship. Within the local church, fellowship is important. And fellowship is a a great joy. Fellowship is something that you ought to desire. As a matter of fact, whenever we have guest preachers come in and they begin to just walk through and they begin to look at our church family, they say there's a sweet spirit about our church, and I'm grateful for that. I've walked in churches where there is no fellowship. I've walked in churches that are as cold as cold gets. I know what they're talking about. But as he begins to address the church and he begins to address the people, he's saying the byproduct of all of this is because you keep Christ at the forefront and you yield your lives to the Lord. And now we get to get the work done together. Y'all can be seated for this moment. 
I may use you again here in just a few minutes. He goes on and says, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, there's a compassion, there's a caring that is involved. Fellowship within the local church is something that we ought to take great joy in. It's something that you're not to neglect, if you would. It's something that you should not uh, gripe about. It's something that you shouldn't complain about. It's something that you ought to just enjoy. And Paul here is saying, if there be any consolation in Christ, if there any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, he then says, fulfill ye my joy. Paul, what is what, what do you mean by that? Fulfill ye my joy. Guys, listen, in chapter number one, did I not say that everything was about the gospel moving forward and keeping Christ at the center and keeping Christ? As, yeah, yeah, we get that. OK, as you as you keep Christ at the center now, you need to put others first. That's a hard thing to do. But it's not so hard when you keep in mind God's heart ought to be on our heart. And as God begins to renew us and God begins to shape us, all of a sudden we begin to love those that are unlovable in this world. You begin to, to gravitate to be a blessing to those that don't really get much encouragement often. You begin to, to go and to spend time with those who really are kind of the outcast, if you would. I remember in, in college, there were certain individuals that, you know, they had their quirky uh, personalities. I remember in, in, uh, high school, I mean, in, in uh, middle school, whenever I was going to middle school, there were some guys that I hung around often. They were, they were quirky a little bit. They had, you know, a unique personality, and my name was Farmer, and theirs was Farney, and we would hang out all the time. It was two twin brothers. They had a, a little bit of a quirkiness to them, and uh, I remember we used to hang out all the time, and we would spend time together, and they lived right around the corner, but they weren't really the, the popular ones, if you would, and it was weird because at the time, if you, and you know this, if you play on any sports teams, then typically you, you're, you're kind of transitioned into the popular crowd typically, and that's how it works. But Farmer was hanging out with the Farnies, and that was just something that didn't really mesh usually. People looked at that, and they, they kind of questioned about that, and it was a weird thing, and, but I, I don't know what it was, but as I began to look back in, in that time of my life, and I don't know why, but I feel as though as I look back at certain times that I look back and see that the Lord is now teaching me a lesson that I should have learned a long time ago. That whenever I get the mind of Christ and I begin to spend time with Christ, that even those that are not necessarily the popular ones, those are the, the outcasts, those that are the, the quirky ones, those that are the weird ones, those that are the problem ones, those that are even the enemies, that I still should love them. As hard as it is. And you begin to realize within our lives sometimes we get so caught up in our own lives that we forget about that. As the church continues to grow, as the church continues to move forward, one of the things that Satan is going to attack within every church, but ours right now, is going to be the fellowship. It's going to be these subject matters. As he says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, he is trying to attack maybe the fellowship. But number two, notice what he's trying to attack also. He says here, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Not only fellowship, 
But Paul is going on to address also the friendship that is found in the local church. As we have this like-mindedness, as we have this same love, as we have this one accord, this one mind, as we have this mind in us, which was also in Christ Jesus, we see the friendship here. In verse number three, we see the motive behind all of it. He says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. These two words, strife and vainglory, speak of the right motive within our friendship. That word strife speaks of selfishness. It speaks of rivalry. It speaks of building oneself up or tearing another down. As a matter of fact, James chapter number three deals with this. It says, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So it's speaking of these things. And James chapter number three deals with that, but it's speaking again of that selfishness, that building oneself up and tearing another down. You've seen this before. You've seen the, the, maybe you were in school and there was a, a, a bully within the school and that bully would always tear someone else down as he was building himself up. It's a struggle. You see that, and as you begin to realize within even our society, you're seeing those things. And so Paul here is saying, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Well, what about this vainglory? This vainglory speaks of an empty pride. Speaks of a vain opinion, to have self-glory and to steal glory from God. Now we realize the word of God deals with you cannot and you should not try to steal the glory of God. You should not try to steal God's glory. John fifteen five says, I am the vine, you the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. And so you see the right motive here. Paul is saying, hey, let's, let's keep this thing at the forefront. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded. Well, what do you mean, Paul being like-minded? The gospel is the forefront. Christ is the center. And that you keep this mind like-minded, having the same love. Well, yeah, what is the same love? Loving Christ, loving the things of God, loving the work of God, being of one accord, being of one mind, keeping these things at the forefront. As the reference is made back again at verse number 27 of chapter number 1, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may... Hear of your affairs. So here it is. He says in verse number two, fulfill you my joy. What are you talking about, Paul? Verse number 27 again, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. If I come, may I see it. If I don't come, may I hear that you're striving together for the faith of God. May I see or hear that there is a work of God taking place together. And so he is making this statement in verse number three, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory to remind the people, hey, it's not about you. Have the right motive and keep Christ at the forefront, but it's hard. I have my issues. It's not all about you. Give those issues to God. If anyone had issues, it was Paul and he's in prison. It don't smell good. The food's not good. The ridicule's there. The problems are present. All of that. But still he is finding joy in Jesus, not worried about his circumstances. And so he goes on. He says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. So not only the right motive, but now the right means. He uses the word lowliness. It speaks of being humbled in mind and spirit, esteeming each other and being simply yielded to Christ. And so he is... Being very clear about this, as he says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Hey, make sure you have the right motive, but also the means. How do you approach this? In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. I remember 
certain times in my own life, and you know this, wherever you're trying to, to, to really work on certain things. And I remember whenever I had first come on staff at Gateway, me and the boys were laughing about this. This was a conversation we had a long time ago. But everyone has their thing, right? Their thing that they say, this is, you know, something that I like done a certain way or, you know, it has to be this way. And I remember that whenever I first had come on staff, we we would go outside and we would play basketball. And whenever you're trying to split up teams and there would be times whenever we'd be playing and, and uh, Jared, go ahead and stand up for just a moment if you would. And there'd be times and growing up, I played basketball and there was a way in which I wanted it to be done. There's a way in which it's supposed to be done. And we'd be playing. Go ahead and act like you're dribbling for this moment and dribble around me. And this is this is me. I'm someone else. And they're dribbling, dribble around me. And all of a sudden, I feel this. I said, dude, that's a that's a foul. That's a foul. No, I got all ball. That's a foul, man. And so then we go back. We'd be playing again. Dribble around me again. It'd be. Dude, that's a foul. No, I I got all ball. That's a foul, man. That's not how you play basketball. And I realized rather quickly, whenever we'd start playing, not talking about Jared. Jared was about this tall at that time. But I remember during that time, the Lord was starting to teach me, you've got to put some of those things, it's not about you. It's not about how the game is played. It's about reaching them. It's about the bigger picture of all this. And I was learning rather quickly then that whenever... We are put in an opportunity to reach people and we are put in an opportunity to try to, to be a blessing and an encouragement to people that we have to see the bigger picture. And I remember I, me and brother John and me and others have talked about this, but whenever you're doing certain things within group settings and it's like your thing, you almost have to approach it in such a way. And I, I hate this mentality, but you kind of have to have this mentality. We're just playing for fun. I play to win. It's hard for me to think that way, but we're just playing for fun. We're just having a good time. And, and so you, you begin to think that way. And, and so Paul, as he is dealing with some of these things right here, as I look back in my own life, he says, fulfill you, my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Paul, what are you saying? I'm saying keep Christ at the forefront, and you won't have to worry about some of those things. He is saying right here, make sure that you have a singleness of mind. And now it's time to submit your mind. You think things need to be done this way, but God is working your life in this way. And so you think about the fellowship, you think about the friendship, but now you think about the four focus. As he says these words, look, not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. So we wrap it up with this. Paul is saying there's a singleness of mind. Now there's a submitted mind. You're submitting your mind to Christ. Let the Lord work in your life. Let the Lord encourage you to encourage others to work together to fulfill ye my joy. That ye be like-minded. Having the same love. Being of one accord of one mind. Come on up here for just a moment. I see you staring at me. Come on up here, Connor. This is what it looks like. Having one mind, this is what it looks like. I want to encourage you. He says, no, I want to encourage you. Well, I want to encourage you. You want to encourage me. We're encouraging each other. I want to be your friend. No, I want to be your friend. Well, that's good. I want to be your friend. We're, we're friends together. You go on. Now, I'm going to listen to the things that you have going on. Well, tell me a little about what you have going on. He then says, no, no, tell me a little bit about what you have going on. Here's what's being lived out. I'm putting Connor first because I've put Christ first in my life and I've realized it's not all about Josh Farmer. 
I'm trying to think of others. And all of a sudden, Connor starts to put Christ first and Christ reminds him, Connor, it's not all about you. As you keep Christ at the forefront, you need to start thinking about others. And so now we're doing the same exact thing. Some things that begin to be lived out is that we both seek to be an encourager. We both speak to be a friend. We both seek to be a listener. We both seek to pray for each other. We both seek to be a blessing to each other. And we both seek to just simply be there. It looks like this. Of one mind. One mind. That's what it looks like. And one accord. Notice what the Bible says in chapter number 1, verse number 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you. Now notice these words in verse number 2 of chapter number 2. Fulfill ye my joy. What are you talking about, Paul? That whether I come and see you, or else be absent... I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. What are you talking about, Paul? I'm saying this. Keep Christ first and then others next. No, 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 no. I think you mean keep Christ first and then me next, right? No, 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 no. Others. Yeah, but Lord, what about my problems? I'll take care of those problems. Just be there for them. Encourage them. Pray for them. Yeah, but Lord, what if they're not there for me? Don't worry. Someone will be. I'll send someone your way. I'll take care of those things. I'll send an encourager. You speak, seek to be an encourager. Okay, but when you say of one accord, of one mind, yeah, yeah, keep Christ the center. So if Connor's going through something, what, what do you want me to do? Encourage Connor to keep Christ the center. Of one mind. You see, notice these things one more time. You see that he begins to address the fellowship. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. And then he transitions to the friendship. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. Why does he do it that way? There's something about serving the Lord, but there's something about serving the Lord with the local church and with your friends in the church. There's just a joy about it. I look back at these, these young men and these young ladies in the youth department. I remember those days. And some of the greatest times whenever I was growing up was serving the Lord with my friends in the youth department. I loved it. Going out soul winning together. Going to youth group outings together. Going to church camp together. Going to all of that. He says this. That you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And then he goes on to say the focus. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but lowliness of mind. Let each esteem each other, other the better than themselves. Let not every man look, or let not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Can I encourage you tonight? Let's start putting others first, or God first, and then others next. Not God first, me next, and then others. No, 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 no. God first, others next, and then me. Lord will take care of it. As you put God first and you put others first, he'll take care of all those things. But let's seek to be a friend. Let's seek to be an encourager, a prayer warrior. And let's just seek to be there for each other and pray the Lord uses it. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all of your grace within our lives. We thank you for the opportunity. And Lord, tonight I pray, Lord, that you would be with our church. Lord, you're doing a great work. But Lord, as we've said many times, I like to... Address these things as you impress upon my heart, Lord, that no doubt Satan's attacks are about to come. And they're going to attack our fellowship. They're going to attack our friendship. They're going to attack the focus. 
Because, Lord, as we get our eyes off of you, we'll put our eyes on something. Whether it's a circumstance, whether it's a problem, whether it's ourselves. Lord, may our desire be that we keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us, Lord. We need you. I pray that you be with our church. Continue to do the work you've desired to do and that you've been doing. And we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, heads bowed, eyes closed this evening? Maybe tonight you just want to find yourself at the altar and say, Lord, help me to be an encourager. Help me to to make sure that I don't put myself first, Lord, because I, I found that that is something that I have been doing. May I keep you first, others next, and me last. I would encourage you as the church continues to grow, as the church continues to move forward, Satan's going to attack the homes. As we started the young family class, we found that that was something that was going to come. We know it was going to come. The young adults, attacking the young adults as they make decisions, attacking teenagers as they make decisions, attacking husbands as they make a decision to lead their homes. Those attacks are going to come. We go on and on and on. But could I encourage you? May our prayer be that we would keep Christ first. And then others next. May we think about our church family. May we consider our church family and seek to be there and be an encouragement. There's some of the altar. If the Lord's speaking to you, I encourage you. Find yourself there. Spend some time in prayer. Lord, we do come to you tonight, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the desire. Lord, among so many in our church right this very moment, Lord, to see you work. 
Lord, what a struggle it is within all of our lives sometimes to put others first instead of ourselves. But Lord, as we seek to put you first within our lives, may we consider others. May we pray for others. I know there's a lot of burdens going on. I know there's a lot of things people are going through. And Lord, may we pray for others. And may we seek to be an encouragement, a blessing. We thank you for fellowship. We thank you for friendship. And Lord, as those two things are prominent within our lives, may we make sure that the focus is always you. And Lord, out of that, the overflow begins to be that the proper fellowship is taking place. The friendships are forming. And Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, that we would look to you. We thank you for all you've done. We thank you for the work you're continuing to do. And we're asking right this very moment that you would continue. I pray that you'd guide us and direct us. Would you be with the remaining parts of the service? You'd be with each of us tonight as we go our separate ways. Lord, that we would find ourselves tonight, before we ever close our eyes and go to sleep, just taking a moment and praying for our church family, praying for each other. I pray that you would continue to move the ministries forward here, move the work forward, and Lord, help us to yield to you whatever your will you desire to be accomplished. Pray that you would bless the evening. I pray that you'd be honored and glorified in it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I appreciate you being here and uh, thankful for all the Lord is doing. And I appreciate all of you. I'm going to have Brother Zach come and give us a couple of parting announcements. We will have a fellowship after the service. And so down in the gymnasium, we'll have a basketball fellowship. In the month of August, we'll do basketball. And then September comes, we'll do a rotation. Uh, but uh, we'll have a good time with that over the next couple of weeks. But Brother Zach, you come give us a couple of announcements. Yeah, just a few things to remind you of. Uh, obviously, we mentioned this morning, Clarksville Recovery, Friday night, 7 p.m., and uh, we're looking forward to that. And if you got any questions about that ministry, see Brother Scott Parker uh, as he leads that and heads that up for us. Uh, and then Wednesday night classes this Wednesday, August the 9th, for the teens and the children. Those are going to be starting back uh, at 645 down in the gymnasium. And so uh, make sure your kiddos are in their place uh, where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. Amen. And so we'll, we're starting back those Kids for Christ, kids for Truth Clubs and all that Wednesday night. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, School of the Bible as well. We've been mentioning that uh, for quite some time now. But that starts back August 22nd uh, on a Tuesday night. And uh, the classes and all that, New Testament Survey 1, Teaching the Bible and Methods of Bible Study. Uh, there's some more information about those classes and the suggested reading material and all that that can be found on our website. And so uh, if you're interested in any of those things, uh, go to the website there or, or ask us about it. That'll be fine as well. Uh, and then our Farmer's Market Outreach, August 26th from uh, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. And uh, as Brother John mentioned this morning, the Lord has used that already. The couple opportunities that we've had uh, to get out in the community downtown Clarksville and uh, just kind of hand out some tracts and uh, share the gospel if the Lord kind of opens that door in conversation. Uh, and so uh, we've already seen fruit from that outreach opportunity. So uh, we got another opportunity later this month uh, on a Saturday from 8 to 12. And so if you have questions about that, let me know and uh, we'll get you pointed in the right direction there. All right, uh, I believe I believe that's all, except for the fellowship after church down in the gym, uh, basketball. Uh, other than that, am I forgetting anything, Pastor? Anything else that needs to be mentioned? 
All right. Well, we look forward to seeing everybody back this Wednesday uh, and, and looking forward to all that the Lord has in store for our church. And uh, man, what a good crowd on a Sunday night. I tell you what. Amen. I, I praise the Lord for that. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead. We'll be dismissed uh, in a word of prayer tonight. And uh, I'm going to ask Brother Sean Frosley, if you don't mind, brother, close us out in a word of prayer.